Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds. Happy New Year. Uh, Welcome to the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish, the show that's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Clay Groves. Chief Executive Fishing Guide, Fishing Guard, Fish, Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, and your host of the show. I'm happy to be here. It's been a long time. Thanks for being patient while we took a few weeks off. Uh, and now, tonight on the show, Happy New Year, big show tonight. Rich Collins is here. We're going to be chatting about a movie that's new to us called Hypothermia. Uh, you're going to love this movie review. We don't usually do movie movie reviews in the show, but this one you will like. Uh, Fish Guy Josh and Doc Martin are here with Fish of the Day. We're going to learn all about the only freshwater codfish in the world. Really exciting that it would be the burbot. Uh, also, also, we're going to read you some fishy New Year's resolutions from the Fish Nerds Facebook group. We're going to do a review of a product from a 14-year-old girl in Connecticut called Tangle Tamers uh, and, uh, and much, much more. So let's, let's jump right in to the show tonight. Oh, before we do that, by the way, there's been a fish nerd sighting at Gunstock Mountain. I got word that one of the lift operators was wearing a fish nerd's beanie, uh, one of our beanies. I don't know him. I don't know anyone who works there. So it's exciting for people to report back when they see a fish nerd's uh, anything around. Get those selfies, get pictures, send them along. We'd love to see them. All right, first up, movie review time. Here we go. Okay, fish nerds. Hanging out here at the Rich Collins house with no address. <laughs> the chalet. The chalet. He calls it a camp. Most of us call this a big house. It's a chalet. <laughs> chalet, because he's a French guy. It's shaped like a Austrian uh, ski whatever. Yeah. And, a house. And we had to get together because we were uh, hanging out and on Amazon Prime, a movie came out. And this actually came out in like 2010 or 2012 called hypothermia, but it looked new to me. It's a hidden secret. It's a hidden secret. And of course, it's free with Prime, and it was about ice fishing. It's a <laughs> horror film about ice fishing. And, and Prime is always the best choice. How could we movies. resist? I know, right? It was Netflix, you know, it'd be good. So we couldn't resist it, and we thought, well, let's watch this movie. So let me, let me play you the, uh, the trailer right now. What would have happened if David hadn't found you? Dad! Dad! Oh my God, you all right? Well, then I guess I would have been the first one on the ice in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a beautiful day. Let's go, let's get set up. Catch us some fish. Phone, no TV. It's so relaxing just to get away from everything. What was that? I think we're all hooked on the same thing. Man, that was huge. We're gonna need a bigger hole. 
There's all kinds of weak spots out there. I saw a coyote that got stuck in one before something ended up chewing it up. You see that thing? ever seen anything like that? No, never. There's something out here with us. I think the best course of action is just to get out of here and get some help. You're not taking my son! Get inside! Get inside! Oh, no, no! Get out of here now! I'm losing him! That thing got him. It's out there. I'm gonna kill it. Expect to catch anything without a little blood in the water. This film was about Ray Pelletier, Michael Rooker, who you recognize from The Walking Dead. Michael Rooker uh, and his family, and he have he they have a cabin near Frozen Lake where they can go fishing through the ice. But when Steve Cody and his son Stevie turn up in a custom-made portable fishing hut. Making lots of noise, it attracts something living under the ice. Something that will endanger all of them. Ray sets aside his differences with Steve, and they join forces to try and catch whatever it is swimming under the them. And they turn from the hunters to the hunted. Will they catch this thing, or will it catch them? So, first impressions. Such a bad movie. <laughs> first impressions. Don't give it away. No, no spoilers here. Well, spoiling is. It was terrible. It was terrible. This is <laughs> this is this is one advantage Netflix uh, that uh, not Netflix that Amazon Prime has over Netflix is the ten second fast forward button, and it always plays terrible movies. And always, so you, so you know for sure. Know. So. <laughs> But like I watched this because I'm trying to see like are they actually ice fishing? Right. And so the first thing you notice, they get to this big lake, and Ray, the the, the hero of the film, walks out in the ice and immediately falls through. Yes, which is kind of dramatic. You're like, oh, you're gonna get into something here. This is like real life, right? Or sort of. Or sort of. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the kind of ice he fell through on it was he would you would not fall through <laughs> the way he did. It's it's that's unrealistic. Just if you're ice fish at all. You're like, ah, uh, no. And he fell through like 30 feet deep <laughs> just by slipping through the ice, right? Yeah. It was like very dramatic. Very dramatic. And they had to be dramatic. And of course, they they use a red filter over the lens of the camera to make it to make it look good. And it was a swimming pool. And all done in a pool so that no one gets cold. <laughs> <laughs> and for, for people that actually watched it, the film was supposedly from Maine. With Mainas, but mm-hmm. it was really filmed on Great Sakandaga Lake in New York, which I've actually been to. It's kind of cool. It looked um, like a cool lake. Now, I would have hoping, uh, see, my, if I was making this movie, I would have had an opening with them fishing and actually catching some fish. <laughs> At no point in this movie do they catch a single well, fish. Do you ever it, even see a fish? It could have been the Silver Lake and <laughs> the fiction. Like the real fish on Suck at Silver Lake. Um, <laughs> there are no fish. <laughs> Yet people are paying me to go out there. It's like magic. <laughs> Although when Jimmy and Jimmy showed up, what what state do you think they were from? The obnoxious like, New York. outsiders. Yeah, it New York. That's it, what I thought it, too. It described them as New Yorkers in the, yeah. in the thing. I was trying to figure out Mass That was Steve and Stevie. Connecticut or New York, but yeah, they're supposed to be New, New Yorkers. York, filmed in New York, it must have been New York. Yeah, so so the so so our hero and his family are fishing behind a makeshift 
<laughs> wall of pallets as a windbreak, which I actually kind of liked. I was like, oh, that's cool. I can do that. And eating sandwiches from a bag. And eating, well, that's. Who does that? Well, how do you eat your sandwiches? I don't. No. Cook something on the ice. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. And, awesome. then, and then, so, like, they're out there fishing. They're quiet. They're, it doesn't look like they're having fun, even in the. <laughs> because they're miserable. Because they're miserable. And ice fishing can be miserable, especially if you're fishing outside between pallets eating sandwiches out of bags. Or on Silver Lake. Or on Silver Lake. Um, so, and the, the, the antagonists come on with this truck pulling this monster <laughs> ice castle. Ram. Yep. And the ice castle, this is, this is what took me out of the movie a little bit. The ice castle was the best thing about the movie. It was this giant, like, 27-foot camper <laughs> that lowered down the ice. With TVs. TVs, bunks, all the things. Beautiful. And I was like, there's the budget right there. All and they had right holes there. drilled in the floor. But yeah. they, had, they had a couple other... They had some good uh, ice fishing authenticity. Yeah. No, catching a fish would have lended to that authenticity a little bit. So, giant ice castle on the ice. <laughs> they they don't really fish at all. And the whole time, like, so then 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 something starts happening, right? I'm not sure what, there's but banging. they see things under the ice. Yeah, there's something under the ice, which, by the way, you can rarely see anything under the ice. But then there's banging on the ice. Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, and I'm waiting. I'll, I can't wait to see this monster. Yes, because yeah. he's going to be fucking creepy. Right. I mean, I mean give this away. Creepy. Little Stevie dies. <laughs> because, yeah. Right. Early on. And then, <laughs> Good. And then his dad, rather than leaving the ice and calling for help, is determined to hunt down this monster. And kill it. And kill it. And eat it. Mm-hmm, with a fish That hook. was very important. Yeah, after his son just died. And his wife's out there with him. And his wife's totally like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> it's a family show. It is a family show. Now, I'm not going to give the whole thing away. So, well, why not? Because it's so painful say, to watch. Suffice to say, so... pretty near everyone dies. And you finally get a look at this monster. And it looks like a gimp <sighs> suit. Like you're, 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 if, you, if you look at like uh, fetish suits, like the zipper mouth. <laughs> It looks like that with like bat wings. If you Google fish gimp suit, you'll find it. You'll find it. If you go to like the Halloween store clearance aisle. Or big lipped gimp suit. Oh my God. And it was like, as soon as I saw the monster, I'm like, oh, I wish I'd never shown the monster. Like, <laughs> it was terrible. Well, and, it, and it reminded me, because like a few months ago, I got invited to go to New York to film uh, a horror film about lampreys. Now that's coming yeah. out hopefully soon. We can all see that. But now I'm wondering... How would I have felt if someone paid me to be part of that movie? Exactly well, the same. You would have been like embarrassed and been like, ooh. Would I be embarrassed and proud all at once? <sighs> no. No. So <laughs> I watch a ton of bad zombie movies. I love like bad zombie all movies. of them. I, yeah. I've seen every one and they're like bad is good if it's if it intends to be bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to explain it. This intended to be good. There was somehow. some hope. Yeah, this was like drama. And I got excited because the lead character was from Walking Dead. Yeah, and he was good. I mean, he was he was intense and quality. Yeah, I'm not convinced and... any actor was bad in it. <laughs> the movie was so bad a good actor couldn't do anything with it. It was it was And it was so of... slow that <laughs> you could lose your mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, although all that said, I want a poster from this movie to hang in my eyes. Oh, shack. sure, yeah. Great Sockendaga Lake. I, I can still remember. I had a friend that lived there, and we went out and swimming. It's a beautiful lake in New York. Well, but... now that monster's there. No, because it's a Maine. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they tried to nail the Maine accent, sort of. Sort of. They were eating fluff and nutter sandwiches. Yeah, there was some, there was some Maine. They didn't drink uh, Moxie, coffee brandy. Or Moxie. Or Moxie. Two important things. Yeah. 
So yeah. anyway, terrible movie. We highly recommend you go watch it right now. Yes. And then go to the Fish Nerds uh, Facebook group and... Make comments. Tell us what you think of it. Tell us how we're wrong. <laughs> Find something how, good about it. Tell us I, how good it is. I literally can't tell you anything worth, like, anything good about it. Like, it's... <sighs> I, I liked looking at the big ice shack, and that's about it. How was the authenticity? There of wasn't the even ice. nudity in it. <laughs> like, if you're going to do a bad horror film, it's like you read my mind. At least be naked. Just some boobs. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. That's, Any kind of nudity. That's like, terrible. Anything. You know, just give me something worth my time. And that movie had nothing. Oh, just, that's the best part of zombie movies, is they usually like, you know, some creepy scene that. Yeah. So anyway, that's our review, our first movie review on the Fish Nerds podcast of the movie Hypothermia. Go watch it. It's wonderful. Go to You'll Amazon love it. Prime and and then uh, please don't blame us. We didn't write it or invent it. We're just here to report. We are just, time time will move slow as you watch it, but that's okay. Just use that ten second forward button <laughs> or or drugs. We're getting a lot of drugs. Eat some edibles. <laughs> it might be good. All right, Rich. Thank you. All right, thank you, thank you so much, uh, Rich Collins, for that movie review. Uh, if you saw the movie, let us know. Um, <laughs> if you if you don't believe, believe, you don't have to see it. You won't you won't like it, uh, but it, it might be worth watching for you. Let us know. This episode is brought to you by you, uh, our supporters over at Patreon.com. One great way to support our show is to go to Patreon.com/slash/FishNerds, and uh, we're asking everyone to give us a dollar an episode, so three or four bucks a month. And that money goes directly into making this show better, paying for expenses like microphones, things like that, travel, and uh, helping us make a better program for you. Um, if everyone gave us the $4 a month uh, amount, we would be able to uh, – I'd be able to quit my job <laughs> and be a full-time podcaster. It would be really amazing. So do that. If you give us a couple dollars, uh, we'll send you some swag out. If you give us uh, 5 bucks, we'll send you a hat. Uh, and the good news for all those uh, $2 levels – I do have Fish Nerds Who Rags just came in. So if you need one of those, those will be going out to you um, as a thank you. And we have some decals from our friends at Backwoods Graphics going out. So lots of fun over there. If you give us $25 an episode, which is a pretty high amount, we will talk about your business on the show. Our friend Josh Lopes did that. Go to lopestax.com and check out what he's got going on over there and get your taxes done from a Fish Nerd. Really great way to support our show. Okay. So Doc Martin... Our resident biologist and fish guy, Josh, our other biologist, um, are here to talk about the fish of the day. And this is, by the way, my one of my very favorite fishes. I'm really excited that it shows this one for you, the burbot. Here you go. Interesting facts, long Latin names, fish are fantastic. All right, Fish Nerds, we are back for another Fish of the Day with me, the Swiss Army Knife of Correspondence, Fish Guy Josh, and the lovely and talented Doc Martin. Hello. Hello, Doc Martin. <laughs> Here I am. And today, I am really excited because this Fish of the Day has not been pre-revealed right. to me. I have no idea what we're talking about. Yay! And you're just going to 
surprise us all with today's selection. So without further ado, Doc Martin, please. All right. So this one, um, I chose it because of the season that we are currently in. And also, it happens to go really well with the, (laughs) the fish that we just heard last time on Fish of the Day, which was the tench. Tinka Tinka. And so we're doing another Tottenham. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> That's right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You better have taken notes last time because we're referencing things throughout the semester and there may it be It is an finals exam. week right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the Tottenham this time is Lota Lota. Lota and, Lota. Tinka Tinka the yep. Lota Lota. And so like most people probably are familiar with that that fish being called the burbot. Oh, oh okay. Yes, That's burbot. the burbot. Right. So it is the only gadiform, which is a cod-like freshwater fish. So in the order gadiformes, it's okay. the only one that lives in freshwater. Um, it's got lots and lots of super fun common names. So uh, burbot, bubbit, mariah. Freshwater ling, lawyer, conifish, ling cod, freshwater cusk, eel pout, all of these go to the burbot. Okay. That makes sense because when you explained it, I before you started listing common names, I thought, I don't know, maybe they call it freshwater cod or it kind of sounds like a cusk eel or a hake or something. Yep. I don't know. So there you go. And I chose it because for some time of the year, the burbot like to live under the ice and they require frigid temperatures to breed. So, oh, mm-hmm. to breed? Yes. So that's very unusual. Most oh, fish. I'm right, yeah. Most fish, if you think of spawning, you think spring and summer. Spring, right. summer, warm when waters. It's warm, but for these guys, the spawning occurs from November to March at temperatures below six degrees Celsius. So Whoa. they like it cold. So it, and now, of course, I'm not a fisherman, but it's my understanding that if you want to go ice fishing, where where these guys live, which we'll talk about habitat in a little bit, but if you go ice fishing, these guys are a fun one to catch in the winter, which is unusual because a lot of the times in the summer, they're going to go and they're going to find deep, cooler waters um, to kind of seek shelter and get away from the heat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They are freshwater. They can be kind of brackish, but typically freshwater. Um, They are demersal, so they live on the bottom of the water body, down in the substrate. Um, They do like it where it's cold. So um, they're looking, you know, Arctic sea basins, um, very, very northern Europe, northern North America, um, up into eastern Siberia. So Anywhere that it stays pretty cold. They don't stand the heat very well. Um, They are also, here's your vocabulary word of the day, although this one's (laughs) going to have a lot of vocabulary too. They are crepuscular, which... Crepuscular, Crepuscular, which just means they're active during twilight hours. And they're, they're also nocturnal. Mm-hmm. So um, the sun is setting or it's down. That's when you're going to find these guys kind of active and swimming around. So if you are a night owl fisherman, they would probably be a great option for you. If you want to go, I guess, out in the night on the ice, <laughs> which to me sounds like maybe not a good idea. <laughs> um, 
And then they do like uh, well oxygenated flowing waters, large deep lakes, but they will also be found in large rivers if the current doesn't get too fast. Okay. Um, so you can kind of find them uh, in estuaries of large rivers. Uh, you can get them into small mountain streams, but if it's going to be in the summer, they're probably going to go into some deeper waters. Um, and they like um, big rocks, crevices, roots, trees, dense vegetation, um, anywhere where they can kind of get into deep holes. So they like to hide and kind of squeal away there so no one can find them. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Josh, have you ever fished for a burbot? I have not. Um, I have seen... I guess what you'd call the old school and original fish nerd audience because they are, you know, mostly from where Clay is broadcasting from out of New Hampshire. Uh, on the Facebook, I've definitely seen discussions about Burbot. They look mm -hmm. really cool. Um, I've definitely seen them associated with ice. Um, and I don't have any of that here. So, uh, and back in my hometown of Louisiana, I certainly don't <laughs> Way have Way too any. hot. <laughs> So this is a fish that I have had zero experience with other than like I know what it looks like. All right. So and you're going to uh, read up you're gonna a little learn bit on with it, but not, me here. Not, not any angling experience. I love yes, it. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> okay, so I, I did say earlier that they spawn kind of in the winter time, late fall, um, winter. Um, they do get a total length of up to 9.7 inches for males and 10.7 for females. And then at the age of five, all lengths greater than 16 inches are mature. So they're ready for reproduction. Okay. Um, they can, they may t undertake short spawning migrations, but again, they're going to stay in that fresh water. And when they do spawn, they form a ball of up to 20 individuals and they move and they roll around while releasing eggs and sperm. Oh, like almost almost sounds like newts trying to mate with the one female, except they're just letting it fly all over yep, the place. Fly right? all over the place in a weird little fish ball. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know for sure, but I would imagine somewhere on the internet you could probably find a pretty cool video of that. It probably looks pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. Um they eat all sizes um uh fish and crustaceans. So if the burbot is really large, then they are primarily going to be piscivorous, so they're going to eat other fish. Um, but crustaceans, so your crayfish and things, become more important during the summer and the fall, which is interesting. Um, these guys do get pretty big, so your maximum length is going to be about 60 inches, which I feel like that's a, it's kind of a yeah, big Yeah, I've definitely fish. seen some nice size ones before. Yeah. I would think that's like, well, and I'm also really biased because I study minnows. So the fish I see like, are like, wow, four inch fish. That's amazing. So 60 inches to me seems giant. So maybe the people out there that do the big fishing are like, that's not that big. <laughs> um, yeah. The common length of these guys, though, is more around 16 inches, but they can get up to 75 pounds. Um, that's a, that's got to be a big fish. 75 pounds. That's like a, a, ju a juvenile human, right? <laughs> yeah, that's real big. I mean, a 30 or 40 pound fish is yeah, really big. That's big. Um, and they get they can um, reach up to 20 years old. So there you go. Yeah. Okay. I would assume, I would have guessed, I would have guessed long lived if they're 
focused around cold water and yeah if they're, they're getting big and they're waiting until five years of age maybe to reproduce then that's yeah. that's going to indicate probably it's a little bit longer live fish not quite as long yeah. as the greenland shark but <laughs> we can't we can't not. all be 400 years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think if we were 400 years old we have a lot different view on what sustainability means <laughs> yeah. yeah god <laughs> yeah, God, four four hundred years. The hell would I do with that long? I would I would read so many books. <laughs> so uh, okay, I know you'd have like forty eight PhDs. <laughs> I really would. That's, that's probably not that far off. <laughs> okay, so um, so that's just kind of the basics of the Lota Lota, and then I have some fun facts. Um, they come in two okay. flavors. Like the fun. So facts. the first fun fact is a two <laughs> two, two flavors, flavors of facts. Was... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, bourbon's come in two flavors? What are well, you apparently, about? um, it depends on now. It depends on whose internet blog you read. Some people say the bourbon is great for eating, and some people really disagree. So, <laughs> I have not eaten bourbon. So so it know. does have two. It flavors. does have two flavors. It's good or not good, apparently. <laughs> Um, but right. these two flavors of fun facts are both delicious. <laughs> and I hate myself for saying that right now. <laughs> That's so stupid. Okay. So the the first uh, flavor is dealing with fish vision. So that's something that um, I've definitely spoken about before on the podcast. Um, I think most viewer or most listeners, viewers, you're not watching me. Um, most listeners know that I'm into kind of light and just how anatomy works. Um, but these... Uh, the burbot, they have pigments that will um, help absorb light so they can see different things. Um, we all have that. That's not anything that's crazy. So vertebrate visual pigments are composed of two components. One is a protein that's called the opsin. And so opsins are just a group of proteins that are light sensitive. Okay, they're made light sensitive via a structure called the chromophore. And the chromophore is just the part of a molecule that's responsible for the color. Yeah, I remember mm. chromophores. Yep, and, and so the color that's seen is the one um, that's not absorbed within a certain wavelength spectrum of visible light. So if we kind of absorb that for a minute. So you can imagine that there's these <laughs> pigments um, and then based on the relative proportion of the different pigments, you see colors differently or you can see different colors. So maybe you want to see more in yeah. the red orange or more in the blue violet. Those different pigments will help you do that. Okay. So okay. for the burbot, the visual, there's two pigments and they are actually seasonably variable. So the change in the proportion of the pigments is altered in relation to the light environment, which makes a, that makes a lot of sense, right? So if yeah. it's going to be kind of dark um, and cold, then maybe they need to see in you know whatever color is better. If it's going to be lighter and warmer, then they don't really need to worry about that. They can shift a little bit. Now, it's not crazy. Yeah. You're not going to go from seeing like x-rays up to ultraviolet rays, right? Like it's not intense, but yeah. just little tiny shifts that help their vision become slightly like better. Subtleties. Yeah. Right. 
And so I thought that was pretty cool. And it also turns out that this is really, really common, particularly in fishes. I did not know that until I started looking into this, which is really neat. Mm. Um, and so basically they've done a lot of different studies. I think unsurprisingly, most of them have been on salmonids. Um, so I think, yeah. oh, I don't remember which fish was it. Uh, the coho salmon, Oncorhynchus kissich. Is that right? Coho, is that the right one? I think. So that's the one that they've really done a lot of vision studies on is the coho salmon. Um, yeah. But interestingly, so there's kind of two different possible reasons um, that these different proportions happen. Um, one is that it really is a seasonal change. So, you know, you want to see different colors in the summer versus in the winter. Um, mm -hmm. That would, to me, make a lot of sense. Um, and as we talked about earlier, different light waves penetrate water differently, some better than others. Um, the other option is that fish that migrate from freshwater to saltwater because those have those water types have different properties, so they are not the same yeah. when it comes to what colors of light they let in. Not exactly the same anyway. So that these shifts are not necessarily seasonal, but they are based on migration patterns. However, yeah. the problem with that, of course, is migration patterns are seasonal. So how do you tease apart that interaction? It's kind of confounds yeah. each other. So um, they have some ideas based on populations because uh, some salmonids will have just, you know, freshwater kind of locked in populations where they don't actually migrate out to sea. Um, and so they've been comparing to see if these fluctuations in the, the little visual pigments are actually due to some seasonal thing like light availability or temperature or whatever, or if it is due to stimulation by you know fresh water versus salt water or something like that just kind of cool yeah yay <laughs> very interesting and then the last the second flavor of fun fact <laughs> is that so okay so we have we as humans have a circadian rhythm right and mm -hmm. um are you familiar with what a circadian rhythm is Yes. Yes. So that is just where you kind of have this this pattern during the day where you're you're more awake or you're more asleep, and mm -hmm. you just, you have this nice rhythm going. Um, you'll often hear that, oh, my circadian rhythm got messed up or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, Definitely, where you most often hear it is when it's right. not working right. <laughs> and it turns out that the burbot has a circadian rhythm. And it seasonally changes, which, again, is not necessarily surprising. So um, their uh, circadian rhythm for the Lota Lota is shorter in the winter and longer in the summer. And so my mm. guess would be that makes a lot of sense because these guys are active winter fish. So yeah. it makes sense that they might be a little bit more active during those times of the season. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Interestingly, and this is a study. What year was this study done? Let me look here. Okay, so this was done back in the very, very early 80s and late 70s. The, the actual study itself was probably done in the 70s. It wasn't published until the 80s. 
Um, otherwise, mm-hmm. the IACUC animal care and use probably would not have let this study happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what they did was they wanted to measure the circadian period for a fish. And they removed the pineal organ to see if that affected circadian periods. And um, I know everybody listening is already well familiar with what the pineal gland is. But just in case, (laughs) the pineal gland is a very, very small endocrine gland in your brain. And endocrine means it deals with hormones. And specifically, the pineal gland produces melatonin. So that's a serotonin-derived hormone, and serotonin, melatonin, if you can get little melatonin pills over the counter, they're supposed to help mm-hmm. you sleep. So your pineal gland produces these kind of sleepy hormones that, you know, say, hey, it's time to go to bed, now's the time. And so um, I, I guess unsurprisingly, if you remove that <laughs> from a fish, um, the length and stability <laughs> of the circadian period is... Um, no longer existent. <laughs> so, yeah. um, interestingly, I'm sure they, they lobotomize these. <laughs> these well, fish, well. Huh? now, Josh, you know, a lobotomy <laughs> has to do with the frontal lobe of your brain. <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> but, but I mean, yeah, it's definitely uh, nothing good. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> but yeah, and I don't know how. Cause, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't study brains extensively. I, I know about just general kind of anatomy of them. Um, I'm not sure how they removed the pineal gland in the brain without really doing anything else to the fish and then yeah. further studying them about their circadian periods. That's. Yeah, that sounds like some skill yeah, right there. So um, <laughs> anyway, the authors are, uh, I'm going to list their names so you don't ever have to run into them. <laughs> Because that is horrifying. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But. Sir, the circadian rhythm in this fish is off now that since we removed the brain. (laughs) Actually, he's dead. Right. Yeah. So I guess this, yeah, it's the sleep hormones are permanently produced. (laughs) Never waking up. But yeah, so there you go. Interesting. (laughs) Bourbon in a nutshell. Bourbon in a nutshell. Yeah, what did we do last time? The my my takeaway uh, points. Loda uh, loda. Loda yes. loda. Right? So loda loda. Um, burbot balls of orgy spawning. Seasonal color vision. And uh, fish brains. Here you go. I love it. It's great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I love the summary wrap ups. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you, guys. Appreciate all that. Now, so I thought, you know, since they're here talking about the burbot, maybe I should talk about the burbot, too. So I thought maybe I'd share. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be working on a new segment. This is not the, the segment, but I'm going to be trying out soon a new segment called Fishing by the Books, where I will take a fishing strategy on the ice or on a boat with me and try one strategy out. Uh, but in that research, I found an In Fisherman article, mag, uh, magazine article about how to fish for burbot. I thought I'd kind of run through that with you right now and help you become a better burbot fisherman. So this is from infisherman.com. I'll put a link at fishnerds.com for you. I'm not going to read the introduction. It's all about the biology, which you just got from Fish Guide Josh and Doc Martin. Uh, But, so here's the trick, right? Burbot like to be in cold water hunts. During the winter, burbot location and activity levels are based on water temperature. 
but they often vary considerably from one body of the water to the next. So in large, shallow lakes, um, burbot often are active as soon as the ice begins to form in December. Uh, walleye and perch am- anglers fish shallow bars and often catch burbot jigging throughout the day, although at night is when it really gets really good. Uh, burbot eventually spawn on rock or gravel bars in 2 to 20 feet of water, but food continues to be the priority. Smaller males typically arrive in spawning grounds several days before the females. The crews over the tops of bars under the cover of darkness feeding on crayfish, perch, minnows, and other organisms. When spawning, as many as a dozen males and females form a writhing ball several feet in diameter as they roll across the bottom, releasing sperm and eggs, giant er, orgies. By early to mid-January, most burbot and shallow lakes have spawned. Uh, Catching them becomes more difficult. After spawning, burbot return to deep areas of the lake where they remain until the urge to feed and spawn draws them back to shallow. On deeper lakes, New Hampshire lakes with burbot are all really deep. Um, With more complex structures, burbot often spawn later in the season and remain active for several weeks after ice out. Uh, In the Midwest, Leech Lakes, Walker Bay, for example, the best fishing usually uh, coincides with the annual Eel Pout Festival in mid-February. This 48-hour burbot marathon attracts thousands of anglers who go after them. Uh, Active and aggressive, though, are relative terms. During a study in the winter movements of burbot in Bull Lake, Wyoming, biologists classify burbot that move in move more than three meters as active. So they're not going that far. Most of the radio-tagged fish were active only about 2% of the time. And one fish was found in the same location for 11 days. So it just sat there. So your burbot aren't moving a lot. So really, location is really important. You've got to look for them. Um, so the, actually, I'm, now, now I'm reading this article. It's not that useful. I'm going to kind of tell you some stuff. <laughs> I should have pre-read this. I'm terrible at this. So here's here's how I how I find burbot. Uh, if you're in a deep water lake during midday, you want to be jigging in like 50 or 60 feet of water because the burbot are light sensitive. They want to be down deep. So get down deep. I, I like jigging for burbot. Some people set traps, but I'm a big fan of jigging for them. Uh, as you get later in the day, during the e- early evening and twilight, like 3.30 to 5.30 at night, Find that base to a drop off in 30 to 40 feet of water uh, and jig that area. Now, 5.30 p.m. for the rest of the night, you want to be in 15 to 20 feet of water. I've done really well in about 15 feet of water. Often, um, I will chum the area first and try to draw crayfish in, things like that. I, I, I like to use sweet corn. I like to use chopped up fishes. Um, Sometimes uh, my friend Michael Crooker, he likes to grind fish up in a meat grinder with corn and make little bricks and drop them down. Uh, it's a really effective way to do it. Um, the The trick with burbot is they're not, they don't care. So you're going to be effective catching burbot using almost any kind of technique, any kind of piece of dead fish on a on a jig that glows, bounce on the bottom, will will do a great uh, will do a great job. And here's here's the trick to it has to be on the bottom. And they're and they're burbot don't have good eyesight, so it's really about making some noise. So you bounce that jig on the bottom like boom, 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 and then hold, boom, 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 hold, and let those burbot come in and and grab that bait out. Big giant hooks, big giant jigs, very effective. Um, make a lot of noise. Don't be don't be shy because they are not and they don't care what kind of spoon you're using. But you're really only jigging three six inches off the bottom. You're not doing big sweeping jigs like lake trout or that sort of thing. It's a much more uh, simple. 
but nothing to it really. That's that's it. Um, now in New Hampshire, I don't know about all states, but in New Hampshire, one of the tricks for burbot fishing is we're allowed to put what's called burbot set traps out or set lines out, and basically all it is is a stick with a lot of string out, a one ounce weight, a six inch leader to a big giant hook with a dead piece of fish on it. Put that right in the bottom. And in New Hampshire, you can put six out a day on our lakes and pick them up next day with your fish on them if they're there. Again, chumming the areas makes it makes a great um, makes it a great a great time. Um, one of the tricks I use to make mine is I actually use I go to Home Depot and I get the free paint stirrers and I make my burbot uh, set lines out of those, name and address on them, and then I just put you know fit forty feet of line on them and then. Uh, one ounce weight, and of course the stuff. Simple burbot are easy to catch. They're fun to catch, and they are delicious. Uh, best way to cook them for a lot of people. First time I ever caught one, I boiled mine in in salt water with a little bit of red wine vinegar, and after it kind of cooked up, I dipped it in uh, in drawn butter, and it tasted like lobster. Delicious. But you can bread and fry them. You can do all kinds of stuff with them. They are a cod fish, so you can treat them like a cod, and all over. Uh, Northern United States, you can catch burbot, uh, and again, they're the only uh, the only freshwater codfish, uh, I think, in the world. So go out and get them. Let us know how you do, uh, and if if you got some pictures, go up to our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and share those pictures of your burbot with those. Uh, so that's your burbot fishing tip of the week. That in Fisherman Magazine article is less useful than I thought. Uh, just full of words, man. They can't get to the point. All right, how about some? Fishy New Year's resolutions. Uh, John King, the crappy hippie, put it out on Facebook. He's a kind of our guy who's doing the he's doing the surveys these days. Asked, "What is your fishy New Year's resolution?" And so here we go. Uh, Kathy King, I guess that's Mrs. Crappy Hippie. She says, "All her fishing will be lead free and mud free." So I think lead free is a great resolution. Jonathan Sutter says, "Take the time to get some hard wa- get on some hard water this year." If Mother Nature could be so kind, uh, he doesn't want to die. Uh, John Murphy says, go fishing more. I guess most people like that. Rich Collins wants to catch fish. We all want to see Rich Collins catch a fish. Uh, Tara McKenzie wants to go fishing. Brian McGilver wants to go fishing more and try new spots. Of course, we invite him to come to New Hampshire and fish with us. Jason Toussaint uh, wants to help as many anglers as he can. That's awfully nice. Rich Collins again. Says he needs more help. Uh, Shane Rodell wants to expand his fishing area. Upstate New York uh, has so much water to fish. Anthony Von Dressar wants to go hunting for pheasant or boar. It's not really a fishy resolution. Uh, <laughs> Fish Nerds said we want to make a profit with our fishing podcast. Um, and then uh, Danielle, Danielle Bouquet wants to catch a new species of fish. Hopefully a marlin or a yellowfin tuna. Stephanie Russell wants to catch a laker tomorrow. This was, of course, New Year's Eve. She wrote this. Uh, John King, crappy happy, wants to stay positive whenever life gets him down. To continue to celebrate friends, new and old. To keep geeking and nerding out on fish and fishing. And to never give up the faith that what I do today can make a difference tomorrow. It's awfully nice. And of course, Mrs. Crappy Hippie says she'll be right there by his side. They're both very nice people. Russ Thorgensen 
Sounds uh, very Swedish. Thorgensen wants to do more ice fishing. Travis Rocket wants to catch a 10-pound Laker. I would like to see that. Martin Fishing wants to fish more. Fish more than just bass and pike and buy a boat. We all want to buy a boat. Uh, Jeff Donaldson wants to learn to spay cast proficiently. So there we go. Uh, a couple of quick updates. We have some contests we've been working on. First of all, we started this thing called the Piscatomy Awards. I was trying to make a big awards thing uh, and get some people to participate. I'm canceling that this year because I only had about four entries and I can't do a contest with four entries. So we're going to regroup, try it again next year. So if you put something in there, forget it. Come back to it. Sorry. We fail a lot in the nerd world. But we uh, next week, uh, we're going to announce the winners of the Gross Bait Contest. We've got a lot of calls in. We will play all those calls, pick a winner, and that person will win a Fish Nerds prize package. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and we're going to do a little product review right now. So I got a package today. I got a package today from a 14-year-old, a 14-year-old in in Connecticut, and she sent me, well, first of all, tackle tamers. Tackle tamers by Tal's Tackle are double-sided straps with a grommeted hole in one end that hooks into your hooks on your tip-ups and wraps around the spool, preventing hooks and lines from becoming tangled together during storage and transporting. Uh, this is made by a 14-year-old girl named Natalia, and she's in Plainville, Connecticut, and they sent me these to, to try out. Now, I'm going to tell you, first of all, uh, it's it's a clever idea. It's not unique to her. These, are, these exist in the market already, but I love when kids are trying to make money, especially in the fishing world, which is impossible to make a living. So I'm going to review them anyway. So here, here's what it sounds like. Velcro. Velcro. And all they are is a strip of Velcro with a grommet. And I use these already on my tip-ups. You put your hook in the grommet hole, wrap it around your spool, and then secure it, and you're good to go. And you won't have a tangle, which is really great. And these are pretty good, long, long Velcro straps. So nothing to it. Really simple, effective. I usually use rubber bands on mine, but I've switched to the Velcro recently, and they work great. Um, you can... Buy these from Natalia online. If you go to um, you go to Tackle T Tangle Tamers Facebook page, you can totally just order them right on there. And we'll put links up at fishnerds.com, uh, and we'll mention, of course, we'll put a link on the Fish Nerds Facebook page to this, so you can get them from her. Big thank you um, to Tal's Tackle for for sending them my way. We'll totally put them to use. We'll put some pictures up and and have a good time. It's it's really cool. When people think of us, if you have have a product you want us to test out uh, on the Fishners podcast, just uh, drop me an email at clay at fishners.com and I'd be happy to test out your product. Um, this is a little, this is an easy one. Um, the only feedback I'm going to give, and I have a set of these already from somebody else, is I use small hooks when ice fishing, even on my traps. And so these grommets that are these small grommets don't actually work well with small hooks because the space between the grommet and the edge of the um, the edge of the velcro is too big, so my little hooks don't fit in them very well. So I have to switch to bigger hooks to use them. I, I don't expect it to be a problem someone can fix, but that's something that you know it's something that we gotta deal with. <laughs> So uh, before I wrap up, there's another thing too. I, 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 one of the reasons I haven't made a show in a long time is I've had a couple of health issues and I have a lung that's not working. And so the next few weeks of podcast, you're going to hear me breathing heavier, doing more mouth breathing because I can't breathe. My left lung no longer works. So I'm doing everything I can on one lung, all my guiding, all my 
podcasting, all that stuff. I'm, I'm a one lung guy right now, and I'm working out with the rehab people to try and increase the lung capacity of my good lung. My, my other lung is not likely to come back for me. Um, there's nothing wrong with me except for it doesn't work. Everything else is healthy. I'm not dying or anything like that. Don't worry about me. But if you see me on the ice huffing and puffing or if you hear me huffing and puffing recording a show, it's because my, my lung doesn't work. So uh, I thought you might care <laughs> about that. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Special thanks uh, to Fish Guy Josh and Doc Martin for bringing us Fish of the Day. Big thanks to Rich Collins for the movie re- movie review. Thanks to Wally Pleasant for our theme song. Uh, thank you for listening. Big thank you to our families for supporting us while we podcast. Go on Fishing Quest and doing the dumb things that nerds do. So until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd. Spawn early. Spawn often. Never trust a free lunch with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance. You get. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish Nerds, it's a podcast.